This is the third and final lab on verses 9 through 13 of Romans 9, and we tackle the hardest issue today, namely this issue of election down here. So, Father, I ask again for a very special grace of teachability for myself and for all of us who are looking together at your word. We want to not get it wrong and believe false things about you, but see the truth and believe right things about you and rise to worship and obedience as we ought. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So to get the flow of thought, just one more time, let's go back to verses 6 to 8. The main point, God is not, it is not as though the word of God has failed, even though many Jews have been lost. And the reason is because not all those who are descended from Israel belong to Israel, but rather this word of God is valid for those who truly belong to Israel, that is, offspring who are named by God, uh, children of promise who are counted as offspring and who are thus children of God rather than just children of the flesh who uh, can be produced by human means, whether uh, a mother and a father uh, having a, a child by natural means without any divine work of intervention, or whether you become a Christian by human distinctives. I think Paul is moving between those two. Now, verses 9 to 13, his argument is that uh, Ishmael was not chosen, even though he was a descendant of Abraham, but rather Isaac was chosen because Isaac was a, a child of promise. And God said about this time next year, I will return and Sarah will have a son, Isaac. And he was born by virtue of God's sovereign promise. And then uh, Jacob and Esau here are a, a better example of God's choosing one and not the other, not based on Jewishness or birth, but on the basis of his own purpose of election, which is where we are now at verse 11. Though they were not yet born, had done nothing good or bad in order that God's purpose of election, his aim to be an electing God in a certain way, might continue. How? How does he want the purpose of election to continue, to stand? This is the the word of God that stands not because of works, and we argued that that would include um, genetic distinctions as well as performances, as well as faith, because the opposite here is not faith, but rather him who calls, not of works, but because of him who calls. Therefore, she was told, Rebecca was told, the older, Esau, will serve, that is, be subordinate to, not be the chosen one, not the child of promise, will serve the younger, Jacob. And then to support that God's election of Jacob over Esau is uh, not based on any works and will continue as God's purpose of election, but rather it's based sheerly on God's sovereign call. He quotes Malachi, one, four, or is it three? We'll look at all four verses, one, one through four. As it is written, Jacob I loved, Esau I hated. Now, why did Paul quote that text in order to illustrate that uh, Jacob was freely chosen 
So let's go read it, and you'll see why. Because the argument of Malachi 1, 1 to 4 is identical to the argument of Romans 9, 11 to 13. The oracle of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. I have loved you, says the Lord. So this is, this is you here is Israel. I have loved you, says the Lord. But you say, you Israel say, how have you loved us? And then God says, is not Esau Jacob's, that is the father of Israel, Jacob's brother? In other words, you are no more deserving than Esau. Esau, no more deserving than you. Your brothers Yet, declares the Lord, I have loved Jacob, but I have hated Esau. So the whole point is, these two brothers, Esau and Jacob, are no more deserving of salvation than, the, than one or the other. And yet, God has set his, his loving favor on Jacob and has hated Esau. Now, keep reading and we'll get some help with this word hate here. A lot of people have tried to make this mean love less or something like that. That won't work. It won't work in either context, especially not here. We, we see here what the hate is. I have laid waste his hill country and left his heritage to jackals. This is talking about Esau. If Edom, which is the people coming from Esau, if Edom says, we are shattered, but we will rebuild the ruins, the Lord of hosts says, they may rebuild, but I will tear down, and they will be called the wicked. That's very crucial. The wicked country and the people with whom the Lord is angry forever. So what does love mean here? Love means that I have chosen Jacob for myself as my covenant people, and hatred means angry forever because of wickedness. And if you ask, well, wait a minute, they hadn't done anything good or evil back in chapter 9, verse uh, 11 to 13. In what sense then did he hate and love Jacob, Esau and Jacob back there? And I think the answer must be, let's, let's look at it, in order that the purpose of God, according to election, might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls, she was told the older will serve the younger as a foretaste or a previous indication of what's going to be said later, as it is written, Jacob I loved, Esau I hated. In other words, God will choose Jacob for love. God will choose Jacob, and God will pass over Esau and leave him in his fallen state in Adam so that he then later becomes the wickedness outwardly that he has inwardly and thus deserving of the hatred or the anger that God has with him forever. 
So let me try to state this mysterious work of election in Romans 9, 11 to 13. Here's the way I would put it. God chooses who will believe and undeservingly be saved in spite of their sin. And God thus decides who will rebel and deservingly (coughs) be lost because of their sin. I invite you to think long and hard about that. God chooses who will believe because there is no salvation apart from faith, even though he chooses us before we believe. And undeservingly, none of us deserves to be chosen and deserves to be saved. We are conceived in sin. And God thus, in passing over others, decides who will rebel. They will come to rebel and deservingly be lost because of their sin. In other words, judgment, final judgment, is never upon someone who wishes that they were a Christian. They don't. God's election is not against our desires. No one perishes who does not deserve to perish. And so let's summarize what we've seen in Romans 9, 6 to 13. God's word has not fallen. That's verse 6, and that's the main point. Because from the beginning, the promise, the word, was based on God's free election of children of promise, not children of the flesh. It isn't just being born a Jew that made one a covenant child or a child of promise, but rather there was a work of God in calling and election. And there were two Old Testament illustrations, namely Isaac, not Ishmael, being chosen, and Jacob, not Esau, being chosen. So the whole point was to establish that even though many Israelites have stumbled against the stumbling stone, Jesus Christ, and been unbelieving in the Messiah and are thus lost and cut off from Christ, the Word of God has not fallen because the Word of promise applies to those whom God has chosen and has so from the beginning.